0: Welcome to Antioch Church. For those of you who are here with us today for the first time, I'm Jay Duncan, and I have the great and distinct honor of, of leading this house as, this, as the lead pastor. And today we are beginning a new series. It's a series that is specific to September. Every September, uh, we devote that month to talking about things regarding Antioch, house business, house issues, house items. And we just felt like out of all the things you that out of all the things to talk about throughout the year, as we dig into the Word and and pull apart the Word, we felt like as a family or a community of people that God has called together to do life together in some fashion. That talking about things relative to us is important, and so t- today's unique because um, we decided as a as a teaching team, preaching team, some of the staff guys, and I got together. And I said, I feel like a healthy rhythm is for us to, to do some reflection, to do some internal reflection, to do some personal reflection, and then also as a people to create rhythms whereby we learn to reflect and remember and think deeply about the activity of the Lord, to think deeply about the things that God has said and spoken, to think deeply about um, how we see God at work in our lives as individuals, as smaller units, families, marriages, and as a people at large, I think as we look at the scriptures, and I also think that it's, I think this is something unique that uh, that God is wanting to shine light on in Antioch at this season in particular, and that is begin learning to build the rhythms and begin learning to build the disciplines of heartfelt and honest reflection. We see this all throughout the scriptures. Uh, it, beginning in Genesis chapter 1, when God creates the earth, on the seventh day, he creates a day of reflection. He creates a day of rest. He calls it Sabbath. And, and Sabbath is not just a time to check out mentally. It's not just a time to uh, binge watch Netflix. Uh, it's, it's a time to recreate. It's a time to engage with God honestly and re- reflectively. Uh, whereby we can pause and we can hear what God is saying to us on the week that we just lived. And also we can hear the things that God is saying to us on the week that we're going into. When God established the people of Israel as a nation, uh, beyond the weekly Sabbath, he instituted feasts, he instituted times within their calendar, whereby they were not only encouraged, they were actually commanded to stop. They were commanded to remember goodness of God. They were commanded to remember how God delivered them. Even as Sajron exhorted us today in the offering, they were commanded to, to reflect on the blessing of God. And all of these things were important because they form us and they shape us as a people. They orient our hearts in a certain manner. They direct the posture of our expectation and our faith in a particular direction. And what I've noticed... I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a uh, very enlightening observation. I think it's a pretty easy observation. But what I've noticed is that the busier life becomes, the more chaotic life becomes or society becomes, the more we're inundated with things like this and Twitter and Facebook and, and news feeds. I mean, this alone can consume our minds and our time and our affections It can consume us. Um, I mean, I find myself just, I mean, just with Kyrie Irving alone, I find myself being just swamped uh, is, he, is he staying with the Cavs? Is he not? Is he mad at LeBron? Is he not? Is he going to the Celtics? Is he not? Is he going to the Suns? Is he, what, What's happening? I find myself just being consumed, agitated even sometimes with, with, the, with the reality of what's going on with Kyrie Irving and his trade with the Cavs, which has been sealed, I, I've just learned last night, and, um, and through Twitter, just heard that he's not too happy with LeBron. Anyways, all that being said, you know, the, the, the busier and the faster and the harder and the more chaotic and the more frenetic that life gets. And there are seasons where that is more happening than than other times. I think the need for pausing and silence and the need for reflection becomes greater the busier that life is. Now, that's difficult because time is in a high premium the more that there are demands on our time. But what I know is that in in the most important seasons of life, the ability to get quiet and the ability to get alone or in counsel with God and think deeply about what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's about to do, guys, I'm telling you, it's critical. Now, there's a couple of disclaimers as I, as I begin our series or as I begin this conversation today just on some personal reflection and the need for reflection, the power of reflection. Here's a couple of disclaimers. Number one, it's very easy for us to sit in this room and say, I am not wired that way. How many of you guys, how many of you guys would just say, you know, that's just not my personality. I, I'm, I'm not one of those guys or those gals who who, likes to, who enjoys quiet. I don't enjoy being alone. I don't own a journal. This is torture. The things that you're talking to me about today, about actually carving stuff out so that I can get still, that's not intuitive. Now I, listen, I empathize with that. And I realize that there are some of us in this room, and the second disclaimer is for some of us in this room, who are more pragmatic, who are more, hey, let's get stuff done. I'm not getting anything done by sitting down and paying attention to what's happening in my heart, taking the temperature of my soul, navel-gaving. I understand that for some of us personalities who are a little bit more pragmatic and, uh, and are very much wired towards execution. I understand this, this, what we're gonna talk about today, it's gonna be a little challenging. It's gonna be a little bit different. And, and, and here's the other thought in our head. The other thought is, It's probably, you know, these lessons that you're going to share with us today, Pastor Jay, those are good for you. Those Those are good lessons for you. And the things that you feel like the Lord is showing you or has shown you or is continuing to show you, that's great for you. My appeal this morning is, wherever you fall within this equation, if you would say this is very difficult, if you would say this is not my personality, if you would say, hey, these are good lessons for you, but they're not necessarily for me, my appeal to you this morning is, just let's just listen, and let's keep an open heart and an open mind on these things, because I really do feel, not only biblically, but even for the wholeness of our lives as humans, as people, this is, this is critical. And it's critical not only for our spiritual formation. This is critical for our relationships. This is critical for our marriages. This is critical for the way that we parent our children. Learning how to stop, learning how to take inventory. And sometimes I'll do this with my kids. I don't know if you parents will do this, but sometimes I'll just stop and I'll just, I'll just catch my kids. I'll, I'll be watching them, I'll be observing them, and they're not even aware that I'm in the room. Now, most of the times, I'm catching them doing something they shouldn't be doing. I mean, even this morning, a tone and a voice. This morning, Milan came out, and she said something to Kenya, very, very accusatory. She didn't know I was around the corner, but I'm paying attention. I'm just saying, sweetie, hey, let's just stop. Let's reflect on the tone of your voice and what you, what you demanded of your brother. Let's stop. Let's pause. Let's, let's be intentional. Let's be reflectful of what's going on right here here's a couple of thoughts. Here's a couple of reasons why this is so important. And, and again, we could, we could stretch this out into every field. Not just our personal lives, not just our marriages, not just our families, but leaders, educators, business owners, ministry leaders. You know, when I was doing a little study on Dwight D. Eisenhower a few years ago, what, what I found that was so amazing is, is Eisenhower was considered one of the greatest strategists and really the key to victory for the entire World War operation. Now, what I did not know is that Eisenhower stayed in a room hours upon end with his, with his key strategist for months, months, thinking, journaling, documenting, arguing, debating, reflecting, analyzing, and they did that for months before they ever pulled one trigger of action. The discipline of thoughtful reflection determines the direction of the decisions that we make. The discipline of thoughtful reflection helps us to make decisions in an intentional way. Otherwise, what happens is we just become very reactive. So I don't know about you, but the busier that life gets for me, if, if, I'm not, if I'm not proactive... And part of the discipline of slowing down and the discipline of reflecting, the discipline of thinking, the discipline of looking backwards so that we can look forward with greater insight is the busier that life gets, I can get very, very reactive. I can get reactive emotionally. I can get reactive with my language. I can get reactive with my decision-making. And all the best decisions should not be made in a rush, whatever it is, whatever it is. If it's a weighty decision, whether it's in your business, concerning your finances, a job relocation, a move, uh, getting married, it should not be done with anxiety and in haste. It should be done with thoughtful reflection and the welcoming of counsel beginning with the counsel of the Lord. Here's the next thing that happens when we engage in thoughtful reflection. It helps us hear the counsel of God. It gives us time to pause and hear something that God might be saying, a nuance, an idea. Some of the greatest creative things, I believe, happened, especially in the, in, in the arena of theology and spiritual formation, they happen when we slow down and we allow God to begin to occupy that space. We begin to silence the voices of the things clamoring for our attention and we allow the voice of the word of God and the voice of God's spirit to become predominant and rise to the surface. here's a, just a baseline definition for us, as we're just setting the table for moving forward on, on my reflection, my personal reflection, lessons learned from the past year, but even I've extended this beyond this, because this is birthday month for Antioch, I've extended this into the beginning of when Antioch was born, beginning in 2013, so, so I've been doing a lot of journaling, a lot of praying, a lot of asking God a thousand questions, and this is just, the mode that I'm in as I'm hitting these benchmarks. And I think there's something really powerful about establishing benchmarks in our lives. It could be a new year benchmark. It could be an anniversary benchmark. In fact, let me just give you a really, really just easy, easy tip, man. If if you wanna see some growth happen within your marriage, utilize benchmarks, not as obligations. Utilize benchmarks, not as something that just creates a lot of frenzy in your heart. Be strategic and intentional with that anniversary benchmark and say, how am I going to be reflective on this time? I mean, we've only been married 16 years, but this is something that Christy and I graciously have been able to put into practice and just say, okay, what have we learned this year? What did we learn in year 15 we didn't know in year two? What did we learn in year 16 that that we didn't know in year 14? How have we grown? How have we matured? Where are we going from here? Now, I know... If you've not done this in your past, you could look at that and probably feel a little bit of shame and condemnation, guilt. That's not the purpose of that. This is tooling us for living intentionally moving forward. So if we see the discipline of reflection less as something that takes up time and it's something that's wasteful, and we see it more as sharpening our saw. Anybody familiar with that phrase, sharpening our saw? The idea there is, is if you take an ax that is dull, And you go out there, you could swing that thing with a lot of force and probably not make a lot of headway. And sometimes what happens is in our lives, particularly in our spiritual formation, if we will stop and take the time to sharpen the saw, we will find that we're getting more done with less effort and less energy. Isn't that right? I'm looking over here at Matt, and Matt deals with the kinesiology of the body. Matt deals with getting things in alignment, things that are... And here's what I know. Man, when I got stuff that's going on, all my energy, all my emotion, all my thinking, it is all being misaligned. And I'm not... in the same amount of energy actually it requires more energy and more strength for me to now produce worse results when I've not stopped to get things in proper alignment. And, and that's what the discipline of reflection does for us. Here's a definition, a very basic definition. I was, I was chewing, trying to find some of these biblical anchor points, and, and I said, Lord, where do I really see the discipline of reflection take place in the Scriptures? And I was led to the word Meditation. Now I know that we can hear the word meditation, and immediately all of the cultural nuances, perhaps even new age nuances, can rise to the surface. But I want you to know the enemy does not get to hijack a biblical concept with demonic definitions. He doesn't get to hijack that. The scripture, I mean, beginning from beginning in Joshua chapter one verse eight, God said, "Hey, one of the things that's going to set you up for success. Imagine. I want you just to imagine the context here. Here's Joshua." Who's a young man, who has not functioned in a governing office, who is receiving the leadership of millions of people, sitting in the shadow of one of the, you know, you know, the founder of the Israelite people, and here Joshua is commanded to lead this people, and not only lead them to lead them out of their static wandering in the desert, and begin leading them into a place of establishment. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a massive task. And you know what God said his strategy was gonna be? Joshua chapter one, verse eight and verse nine. He says, meditate on this book of the law. In other words, he was saying, take time to thoughtfully reflect on the wisdom that I'm giving to you on what it means to be a people and what it means to bring order to a people and govern a people. There's wisdom that are contained within these laws That at first glance, you might buck, you might resist, you might rebel, but think more deeply on them and get yourself into the inner logic of of God that is being revealed in these laws. And this is what God says to Joshua. If you do that, you're going to prosper. You're going to succeed. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but think about it. Reflect on it. Muse on it. Meditate on it. Here's a basic definition. Meditation means the act of focusing one's thoughts. The act of focusing one's thoughts. Now, if, if, you're, if you're anything at all like that, like that little dog and up, squirrel. I mean, my goodness. I've, I mean, there are so many things that are coming at us on a daily basis. The idea of focus is very, very difficult if we're honest with ourselves. I'm finding, maybe it's because I'm pushing 40 here in a couple of weeks, but I'm finding myself forgetting the very thought that entered in my mind like two seconds ago. Like, what was I, what was I doing? Wait, 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 hold on. I, what did I go in this room for? What did I, it, You guys are laughing because it's happening to you too, right? Right? Part of that's a focus issue. And part of it's because we're so inundated with noise. We go into our car. The first thing we do is we put, we put music on. We put a news broadcast on. The first thing we do when we get home is we throw the television on every spare moment. I found myself, guys, sometimes at, at, at stoplights, at stoplights. It's not enough to have a podcast on or it's not enough to have music going on. But at a, but at a stop, stoplight, I'm pulling my phone out and, and, and checking things at a stop sign. Or at a traffic light. Right? Last, last thing I look at before I go to bed, first thing when you wake up. Come on, guys, don't don't, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's 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 no reason why we're having a hard time focusing and, and, and sitting deeply on one thought for a long amount of time until it begins to transform us, until it changes us. Till it settles down on the inside. Now we wonder why some of our greatest writings, you know, you think about Noah Webster, one guy who wrote the entire dictionary. Now it's very easy for us to go, well, he was just special. (laughs) I think the fact that he wasn't inundated with so much media and digital stimulation, and the fact that he learned the discipline of contemplative, thoughtful reflection on things. And that's how things are produced and created in life and in the spirit. How many of you guys are with me so far? So it's the ability to, to focus one's thoughts, to ponder, to think deeply upon, to muse, and it consists of reflective thinking or contemplation, usually on a specific subject I like this, to discern its meaning, to discern its meaning or its significance, how many of you guys, whether it be a popular book or even the scriptures, you find this internal pressure inside of you, I've got I've to read more, I've got to read more, I've got to read more. And, and you find that you've read more, but if I were to ask you what you read after you read it, there wouldn't be deep comprehension, there wouldn't be understanding to what you've read. See, knowledge acquisition can come quickly, but I'm telling you, understanding and wisdom come through thoughtful reflection where you begin to see, again, the inner logic, the logos of God and how that inner logic begins to play out and touch every area of our lives in every season. This is how we become integrated. This is how we become whole through allowing God to connect dots for us that are not intuitive. Never confuse knowledge acquisition with understanding and insight and discernment and wisdom. Here's just a couple of verses for us real quick. I thought these were really interesting. You can throw these on the board if you want to. I'm gonna blast through these just to again lay a little bit of a framework and then I'm gonna take you on some of my internal journey. I gotta do that quickly. Psalm 63 verse six says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Psalm 63, six. when When I meditate, when I think about you, when I remember what you've done, you know, Let's just leave that up there for a second. Sidron preached a few weeks ago on Philippians chapter 4, breaking down verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do, nothing out of, do, uh, do not be anxious about anything. Now, a lot of us are really good at meditation. We just are meditating on things that produce anxiety. We just are meditating on things we can't do anything about. We're just meditating on how someone hurt us. We're just meditating on negative emotions. That, it's the same thing. It's, that's reflection, and that's musing, and that's contemplation, and that's meditation. And they produce fruit in our lives. And then moving forward with Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about anything but in everything. But in everything. This is what he says. Through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. You know, I think the Lord is inviting us into in that verse in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. He is saying that take the time to be thoughtful in your reflection even before you open your mouth in prayer. Like, just say la Before you even begin praying frenetic, anxious prayers because sometimes our prayers are actually stirring up our soul. Sometimes our praying is actually getting us more in a state of anxiety. And if we were to stop, and if we were to say, the the lordship of God, the greatness of God is so much bigger than the situation I'm walking through right now. Why, Why am I being anxious? Thoughtful reflection will help you realize, watch this, where you can spot anxiety, you can spot that there is something in our trust in God, that is missing. I mean, think about that. Think about that. Think about what am I anxious of. Is it a provision issue? Is it a job issue? Is it a relationship issue? What are we anxious about? Because that that anxiety is an indicator that something in our revelation of God is either off or it's missing. Are we together on that? So here the psalmist is saying that I have developed this rhythm on a daily basis. When I sit down and I think about my day, that's, that's implied in here. On my bed, I remember you. I'm looking for the activity of God throughout my day. How, what would it produce in a people if we, if we took time and we looked for the activity of God just on a daily basis before he we went to bed? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, Max. God, where were you? What were you doing? What were you up to? God, what were the things that came out of me? I'm gonna talk about this more here in a little bit. What were the things that came out of me that were not reflective of you? For your notes, if you're taking notes, Psalm 77, verse 11, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the wonders of old. So this is moving us out of just daily reflection. And now this is going a little bit more macro. So it's not just how is God at work today. It's how, is, how has God been at work throughout the entirety of redemptive history? reflect on that. I don't do, I honestly don't do that enough. I mean, if I serve the God who delivered millions of people out of 400 years of oppression and bondage, and he did it by a supernatural miracle of opening up the red seas and swallowing up their enemies, what in God's name am I anxious of? Reflect on his works of old. Psalm 78 verse 42 Psalm 78:42 they did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the adversary I heard that old testament shepherds actually had a had a custom on their staffs where whenever you know you, th- you got to think of an oral tradition I mean, they didn't, they didn't carry around journals like we get to they didn't pull out their iphone and jot down a little note or tell siri to remind them of something they would take their staff and they would they would they would notch something they would cut a slash into their staff and you know over time as you're just as you're walking and you got lots and lots of time to think and reflect and you're you're just you're just kind of rubbing your finger into that groove you begin to think about oh yeah Remember in 1 Samuel chapters, we we're looking at verses 16, chapter 16 through 17, and primarily in chapter 17, remember when David goes to Saul, and he says, hey, there's this giant here, and, and, uh, and, and what he's doing, man, God's not cool with this, so we're just, we're just going to deal with this. And Saul looks at him, and he says, you're just a kid. But he was a kid who lived a contemplative life. And he was a kid who had experience. He had history with God. You know, the the discipline of reflection creates history with God. And here's what David said. The first thing out of his mouth, here's what he said. He reflected on his history. He went down his staff and he said, well, you know, you're right, but there was this one time when I was watching the sheep and I was was just just connecting with the Lord. And man, there was this lion that came out. And I just struck that lion, man. You know what he was doing? He was rehearsing the history of God in his life. So as, as, we, as we set the stage here for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to be doing some reflection. Now Antioch in and of itself, since we changed our name, we're only, we're only four years old. But we're going to be 40 years old and we're going to be 400 years old. And in order to make sure that we're walking the direction that we want to walk in, that God wants us to walk in, we got to be reflective about that. We've got to be thoughtful about that. And so the appeal that I'm making to us today is as we go into September, as we enter into a new school year, everything's getting all hyped up and ramped up again, and we start moving into another Thanksgiving, we start moving into another Advent season, allow the rhythms of God's calendar, allow the rhythms of life as a community of people to create opportunities for us to become reflective, to hear from God. All right, now let me just, I've totally ran out of time. Um, let, let me just let you in on, as I've sat down and I just thought about, I just said, Lord, I'm in a place now where, where I, can, I can think and I can hear and I can reflect in an open manner in a, with a clean heart in a spirit of faith and a spirit of love and grace and forgiveness, I can, I can think about the past four years. I can, I can hear things that you want to say to me. Guys, I, I'm, I'm probably already at about, just at first glance, not even really getting into this, at first glance, it was just kind of a brain dump. About 40 lessons, just in bite-sized chunks. Just thinking about the past year. Things that I felt like God was trying to, trying to do in me, work in me, change in me. And, and it's important, I think, for you guys to know those things because those things are inevitably going to come out. They're going to come out. You know, a year ago, God was doing some stuff inside of me, but I was not reflective enough or conscious enough to catch, God's doing some stuff inside of me. But here's what I learned after the fact. Whether you know that God's doing stuff inside of you or not, and let's do the inverse, whether you're aware that there's negative stuff that's going on inside of you or not, it leaks out and others are going to be aware of God activity or negative activity. And this is why living in proximity to people and having trusted community is so important in our lives. Let me just, let me just shotgun you real quick. And then Jonathan, come on up. We're going to come to the table. Uh, I'm not going to unpack these today. Maybe I'll get into my personal lessons with you guys more next week, but uh, we're also going to reflect on what God's doing in Antioch. And I think that that's, that's very relevant for all of us. Here, um, for, for your notes, if you want to take, take these notes down, um, here's a couple of things that I felt like uh, God was just highlighting for me. Number one, in this past year, the Lord is teaching me more to pay attention to my heart. Now, get, now listen, it'd be easy for you to go, that's, your, that's a good lesson for you, pastor. You should do that. <laughs> Guys, all of us need to pay attention to our heart. Scripture says to guard our heart, for out of our heart flows all of the issues of life out of your heart. You start finding yourself being a little bit more cynical. What's going on in the heart? You find yourself cursing a little bit more. What's happening in the heart? You find yourself being around certain certain somebody and you're not saying good things about them. You're saying negative things about them. What is happening in the heart? It's important to stop. Reflection helps us take our temperature on what's going on in the heart because all of life is lived from the heart. So much I can unpack for you guys right there. Number two, here's a quick thought. Um, In difficult seasons or just in any season, reflection helps us to press into the Lord's perspective. Friend, I want you to know that whatever you're facing right now in life, God has a perspective on it. He sees it in a way that you don't. He sees it differently than you do. Tons and tons and tons of scriptures that we can get into here I'm gonna save all of those, but I want you to know right now God sees your problem differently than you see it. He sees your issue, he sees you, he sees himself differently than you see him. We don't see God accurately all the time. He sees people, he sees tragedy, he sees all of these things. He has a perspective, and his perspective is always right. And so so the trick for us is how do we get into the perspective of God? How do I get myself to a place where I'm seeing what you're seeing the way that you're seeing it, not the way that I'm seeing it? Because the way that God sees it produces the wisdom and the fruit and the life of God. Man, I wish I could just talk to you more about that. Here's the next thing. Uh, reflection helps us to remain teachable. One of the things God is teaching me in this, this season is Son, stay, teachable. Stay open. Learn, learn, learn. Grow, grow, grow. Change, change, change. The, the moment we get ourselves gridlocked into, you know, a mindset and an ideology, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this class, Jonathan and I are taking this class and uh, the class is called Contemporary Issues in Theological Anthropology. And it's just a massive title. Basically talk about the doctrine of man. And man, I am learning just in one class, do you realize that almost everything that we're, talk, we're touching in society, it touches, it, it, it is affected by our theological view of mankind, human women, gender issues, women in ministry, transgender, sexual orientation, race, uh, destruction, floods, military, war, government, economics, it is all connected some way to our theology of man. It is, it's mind boggling, it's mind boggling. And what I discovered in in one of our course books in the first chapter, just, just heartbreaking. Most of the atrocities that have happened in human history, particularly by Christians, were justified by wrong theology, particularly the wrong theology of the image of God in man. That throughout centuries, people have used This one little image of God and man to justify. Hitler used it to justify Nazi Germany and the genocide of the Jewish people. Use the scriptures. Slave owners in the 1800s used the scriptures to justify the enslavement, the atrocious behavior in the name of God. In the colonial era, we use this for our our, uh, imperialism. We've used this to keep women enslaved. It was, what's, the, what's the point I'm making here? The, the, the point I'm making is any moment we start, you know, just doubling down on our orientation and assuming dogmatically that we have got all the answers on an issue, we might just be this far. We might just be this close to actually hurting a lot of people. So what am I learning? I'm learning, I'm learning. This is hard. I'm learning to remain really, really humble. And I'm learning to remain really, really open with some of my dogmatically held ideas and beliefs. That's a hard thing. But man, it's good. All right, I've got about 30 more and I'm not gonna share them right now. Let's stand to our feet. You know, I'll tell you over the past year, one of the things that we have learned through our reflection is that this table is a really really powerful thing in Christian history and Christian formation and um, in my ignorance I really had a real low view of this, of this table oh that's just a religious thing or that's just that's just you know for high church people or and, uh, and I had to repent reflection helps us get to a place of repentance because repentance means to change your thinking and over study and thoughtful reflection and prayer and dialogue and, and uh, engaging on this issue, what I've come to realize is this, this practice, when we approach it this way, helps us to slow down. It helps us to reorient our lives around who Jesus is, not to orient Him around us. It helps us to stop and say, Jesus, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm deeply, deeply grateful for who you are, for what you've done, for what you're doing and for how your spirit is at work. I'm telling you, the discipline of just stopping and just giving that gratitude will orient your heart and it'll shape your life and it'll shape us as a people. I think over time, and we'll get into this more next week, we can become more kind. We can become more open. We can become more caring and more compassionate when we stop and we engage in the discipline of thoughtful reflection with the Word, with the Lord, with one another, and with His disciplines. Father, today we are grateful that we are constituted as a people by the goodness of God and by the mercy of God. We are grateful. We are thankful that in our sin, you pursued us you loved us you revealed the goodness of God through your son Jesus you took the burden of our sin upon yourself you forgave us you watched us you invited us God into family you've invited us into new life you've made us new Father today we stop let this reality shape us In Jesus' name. Friends, let's come and let's receive from the table today.